When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, welcome to a very exciting episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. We are here in the Coventry Building Society Arena at the Arnold Clark Cup, literally sitting in the dugout. Anybody else feel like they're at Disneyland on a ride? I'm used to sitting in this dugout, actually. 2012 oh. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Canada. It was comfortable, yeah. It was comfortable <laughs> sitting here. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be talking about international duty and the highs and lows that come with it. But uh, we're going to shift our uh, normal way of doing things today because Eartha Pond is going to host this podcast and be asking uh, Farrah Williams, who you might know her. I don't know. She was uh, England's, still is England's most capped player, men or women. Uh, and uh, I used to captain New Zealand uh, for those that maybe didn't know. And so Eartha is going to ask us about our experiences today. So over to you, Earth. Thank you very much, Bex. Um, yeah, really excited to be hosting. Obviously, guys, this is going to be the best one yet because I'm hosting. Um, but no, really, it's amazing to be here at Arnold Clark Cup. Um, and yeah, it's really wanted to take a deep dive into your international careers and really give the listeners a bit of an insight and I think what the first thing I'm going to touch on because I saw it this week is the Lionesses were all given a special cap in terms of when they made their debuts and they were saying actually it, it reminded them of like their first game it brought back all those memories so I guess I want to kick it off with how was your debut how special was it what can you remember did you get any chills and yeah just kick it off who should we go with Bex, Vaz, anyone? Go on, my, I'll go with mine. <laughs> Might as well, because you looked at me and we went quiet for yeah, a while. Yeah, and I yeah, hate Vaz, that, yeah, that yeah, awkward yeah, silence, you. you know. So um, mine was actually, so there was some confusion with mine because everybody seems to think I scored on my international debut, which I did on my home debut, right? Uh. So basically, I was away with the under-19s. I'm going to tell you my whole story about uh. getting the call-up because normally we just get a letter through the door, right? You know, we and only have like I'm about to say that, right? Bex. At this yeah. time, we didn't get a letter. So I was away with the England under-19s in a tournament in Denmark. And pretty much in landing back into the UK, we'd gone back to the hotel where the seniors had met up for camp. Um, I'm waiting in the hotel for my lift home and Hope comes through the corridor. She'd been in, she'd been away with us in Denmark for the tournament and pretty much said to me, can I speak to you? And I was like, yeah, like obviously panicked because obviously when Hope <laughs> wants to speak to you, you know, that's like not, not normally, a, not You're normally, in trouble normally, yeah, not yeah. normally a good thing. So she pulled me aside and she said, like, you had a really good tournament with the under-19s. We've got a few injuries with the seniors. How do you feel like staying? I'm like, you want me to stay with the seniors? So <laughs> obviously, I was quite a cocky kid anyway. So I used to, I used to be really confident. You were, and all of what? a sudden, Wait, what? all of a sudden, I crumbled, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, let me think of every excuse I can. Well, hope I left all my wash stuff in Denmark. Hope my underwear, you know, we, we didn't used to get it washed in yeah. time. I've got no clean underwear. Can I go home and get some and come back? She was like, don't worry, we'll sort that out for you. Right? Oh. Let me tell you, they sent the liaison woman to M&S, oh. right? 
At least you're an M&S. Yeah, she come back with granny knickers oh. and presented them to me at the dinner table in front of everybody. Now, let me tell you, I crumbled even more so than you could ever imagine. That was so your that first was my, moment with the senior team. That was my first team. moment with the senior team. So oh. I was like so embarrassed. Like literally, bright red. I, I was like, please, chair, just swallow me up. Like take me somewhere. I don't want to be at this table. Can Wait. I ask a random question? And then I went to Portugal and played for 20 minutes. What was the, what size knickers were they? Can Mate, you they must have been double XL. <laughs> <laughs> they probably fit me now. <laughs> they definitely didn't then. So you played so your yeah. first international Away match in double XL granny. And yeah, knickers. something like that. If they, yeah. I mean, I think so, or maybe none. <laughs> <laughs> what a but memory. Yeah, so that was my call up. And then obviously after that, your call ups were pretty much through a, a letter a letter form. So yeah, I had a special uh, international debut call up. Amazing, a personal call yeah. up. What about you, Beth? Yes, mine was a little bit less personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was in 2003. And um, do you know what? I don't even remember how I heard. I think it was like a phone call or something from one of the coaches from New Zealand. And I'm pretty sure that my papa, my mom's dad, who was very, very interested in sports because my um, my mom's brother, my uncle was an all black. So obviously oh, like cool. coming from a rugby family. Nice. So he was like uber proud that I was captaining the Duke University team. And I'm pretty sure he made a phone call somewhere into New Zealand football just to like let them know that there was this player <laughs> yeah, um, with an American accent, but who actually was a Kiwi. Um, and my first uh, game was in 2003. And it was against Samoa, Samoa Islands yeah. in Australia, I believe it was. Now, um, don't quote me on that because I don't really remember, but um, they made me captain my first game. Oh, wow. So cool. that was wow. nuts. Mm. That was nuts. We yeah. went on tour and um, I remember him sitting me down like a couple of days before the first game. And he was like, you know, you're coming from an international environment. It's the university system mm -hmm. in the U.S. Duke was, we were pretty good at the time. Um, and he's like, I just, I think that you're sort of like more the way forward for this national team. And I remember thinking that is going to be really hard for those other players mm -hmm. that have been on this team for so mm -hmm. long. So I remember going and talking to the older players and saying, guys, what do you think? Because I'm not 100% sure about this. And they mm -hmm. were so welcoming, um, so awesome about it that they were like, absolutely, go for it. So, so, just, so just on that, so... From your first game to your last game, you remained as captain of your national team. Well, that's a good question, Eartha. And we should talk about that in the lows part because, okay. no, I had a bad knee injury in 2007. So I wasn't in the squad um, after the my first World Cup in 2007. Right. 2007. And then, um, yeah, let, let's keep that for the lows, we'll, shall we'll we? We'll definitely keep, keep, keep that for the lows. And what I want to know is, obviously, you get in, you make your mark you've been selected obviously because they've seen you, you're working really well how do you, how are you sort of received by your, your teammates how are they welcoming are they excited about you being in the squad what do you remember in terms of them kind of bringing you into the fold Farah's as part of the Lionesses you know what I actually can't remember being brought in I just remember being this really scared intimidated kid sat behind Sammy Britton oh and Kelly God. Smith right and honest to God they like they were, so were on the bus and I remember going the first session so bearing in mind I knew nobody in the, in the squad you didn't know anybody nah. like you weren't friends with anyone no, were no you one. a lot younger uh, 17 um, wow. no uh, Rachel Unit and Katie Chapman but I didn't know them I hadn't played yeah. with them mm. at under 18 level uh, they would already had already gone up but I remember obviously everybody knew Kelly Smith and if you yeah. know Sammy Britton dreadlocks big like, I was like they were like best pals right so they're yeah. sat on the coach and I sat right behind them they giggled the whole 40 minute journey to the training ground and I sat there 
paranoid to death, right? Thinking they're laughing at me. Oh, <laughs> no, no. They they like, I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be here. I don't know. No, I'm sure even there was no mobile phones either then. So oh, I couldn't wow. even like pretend I was on my phone. Oh. So yeah, I was. it was horrible. And then obviously I got on the pitch. But you know what the funny thing is? I actually can't remember much of it. But when we had that recent Lioness gathering and mm-hmm. everyone got back together, all the senior players that were there and I'd played with back, back in the day had told me that like I was a really confident, quite cocky, like hmm. young kid that first broke into the yeah. squad and I was like I don't remember being that person I remember being it a bit later on yeah. when I was like 19, 20 and a bit more established but in those early times when I first got picked honest to God I don't remember being that person <laughs> and, do you, and do you know what's funny about that because sometimes you have this like perception of what you're of how you feel and then other people see something different and I guess when you go into the sort of international setup do you feel maybe that you have to quieten down or just kind of settle in like what or can yeah. you or can you just be like yourself your character that you normally have with your domestic with your team people know who you are can you transfer that characteristic of you being a player into the international fold? no I had a really hard time Earth, if I'm honest because the Kiwis um you know I grew up obviously part of my life my childhood in Christchurch where my cousins and everyone were but I didn't go to school there full time so I would go for like summer school and stuff so the Kiwi culture is very different from the American culture mm-hmm. and especially the sports cultures right so in America it's all about like me I'm the best I'm like gonna be number one superstar everybody loves a superstar in mm-hmm. New Zealand it's very much what we call tall puppy syndrome, which means that if you are a taller puppy, you get cut down. So people want you to be a team player, mm-hmm. be humble, um, you know, be part of the team. And I think it's great. I love that. And I think a mix of both is good. But I found it really hard because, you know, coming from the U.S. where we were like, come on, give yeah. me the ball, kick it harder. <laughs> that pass was you know and whereas the kiwis were just they don't they didn't like the harsh language they didn't want to be told that they weren't good enough it was just you know it's a little bit we had a guitar on tour i told you you know so i found that transition quite hard and through the years i think we sort of came to meet halfway Mm -hmm. which but still you know seeing them play today i still think i still think and you know i love the football ferns i think they do a great job but i still think that they need to toughen up they need to get harder Oh, definitely. I, I definitely, yeah. Like, that was that was my downfall in the early stages of my international career. So, obviously, I broke onto the scene at 17. And I think my character played a part in me not playing as many games after that for a period of time. Mm. Um, as I said, I was that I was loud. I probably wasn't used to staying away from home. So, that whole new environment of being away from home, around strangers. I was really a home person. Like, you know, as much as I could, I'd want to stay in my mum's bed or, you know, in a room with her um, yeah. and feel that, that, you know, feel safe. That's where I, that's where I felt my safe, uh, safest. So, when I went away, probably the first year, year and a half, it was tough. Because mm. I knew I was good enough to play. And Hope knew <clears throat> that I was also good enough to play. But her way of integrating me into the team was by what I felt like at the time was punishment because of my character, which was loud and, you know, quite out there. And as I said, I was quite confident, quite cocky as a player. And it was to, you know, start me as a sub. So I went from like literally scoring on my de- my home debut, sort of a turn leg against Portugal, mm-hmm. to pretty not much sitting on the bench for, for maybe a year and a half after that because of, I believe, my personality. But but oh. do, you know, do you know what I quite find quite funny about that is obviously like playing with you at Chelsea, like we know that you were like one of the standout players and in your normal environment, you would have been celebrated. People would have been like really proud about you going on at an international level. So everywhere apart from the international scene, like everyone was happy for you, like who you are, getting mm. you to celebrate. Then you go into this 
I guess this cultured environment mm-hmm. where it's completely different and that's a problem that I have in terms of how do you navigate that how do you get young players to understand that there's going to be this transition I don't think on an international <laughs> level it's integrated as well to say that actually you need to be something different and I think that's where sometimes we lose some of our most talented players because they go into this environment I guess as leaders as people who are leading that environment they expect a certain thing but if they don't understand the culture and that sort of intersectionality that others are coming from they can't then integrate it and they're the ones who are making the decision so the ones who lose out often is the actual player so were there any key things in terms of the environment that you sort of missed enjoyed like couldn't really catch on with yeah no I I think your point about culture in a team is so so important and and like I said, you know, I think that the thing I loved and the reason why I played for New Zealand, and not the U.S., was one, I didn't really like the environment. I didn't like the culture in the U.S. national team environments in the ODP. We call it the Olympic mm-hmm. Development Programs. It was very political. It was very, you know, all about me, about showing off. It was there was no team vibe whatsoever. This was my experience. You yeah. know, everyone obviously has a different one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like it. And I, I dropped out, even though I, you know, I could have gone on and played. And and then when I got called up to the <laughs> New Zealand national team, the football ferns or I call them the football fannies it's fine um we had a guitar on tour we were in like this big white van and all of us were crammed into this van on my very first tour thank goodness I had another American with me Simone Carmichael who was like still to this day one of my best friends and we were just looking at each other like what is going on there's a guitar in the back (laughs) in a van touring around all of Texas playing against university teams like totally different vibe totally totally different experience than the US and um, I liked it it was more of a family it was more like I said like a kumbaya we got our guitar we had fun no seatbelts on we had fun (laughs) you know to be really honest like we went out we would go play a game and then we'd go to the bar and we'd like go take some shots and then go to bed and like get up and go play again and that was like way back before we really professionalized the national team I mean, back in 2020 yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky you like a lucky year ago you. yeah we had to you know we had to i feel i believe when it, certainly in the early stages of my international you either changed to fit in the environment or you didn't stay in the environment and oh is that why i didn't stay yeah in that's the why you end up yeah exactly <laughs> And I, you know what, I love football that much. And obviously the first time, the first experience of putting the, the, the free lines on, it was something that I wanted to continue to do. And mm. so in order for me to stay there, I knew I had to change a part of me mm. to stay within that environment. And I remember like, you know, behavior, I, I used to get put with like the good people, you know, <laughs> I used to have to go to bed at uh, seven the, o'clock at after front. dinner. I used to have to carry the balls, the boots, whatever, everybody. Wait, they told to, you when to go to bed? No, but uh, like the room, my roommate that yeah. I was with was really professional and right. I was so unprofessional right. because I like wow. to go to bed at 10 o'clock and not eight o'clock. So yeah. you know how it is. Um, but I had to change. I had to do things that suited the environment and allowed for my behaviours to change and stay in an environment where I wanted to represent England. Yeah. So so just on that, because I, I remember when I first went to my first England camp. I remember well and actually what happened in that do, camp. Do, do, you know, do you know what one thing that stood out to me was that <laughs> when we finished training, like everyone used to go back, like have a shower, rush and like call home and be on the phone for like ages and be like, oh, like, mom, I miss you. And I used to be there and people are like, oh, have you phoned home yet? I'm like, no. Mom's like, like, hey, gonna, I was like, my mom knows about football. Like, yeah. why am I going to be calling like every single moment to say I'm at football? Like, she knows where I am. So maybe that just different type of upbringing. I think maybe just lastly, you touched on that point in terms of you having to put strategy in place in order for you to keep that place and stay part of the line lionesses. Do you think looking at the, the lioness squad now, 
that Serena has a sort of different tactics in terms of players being their own characters and, and she, that allows them to be the best version of, of themselves. So I don't think, well, pers- I don't know, but I'd, I'd assume that she'd want them to take responsibility for themselves and not really be that one that pairs you up and sit at the front of the class with the person who's, I guess, the goody-goody, mm-hmm. whatever, but more about actually there are younger players in the squad, there are more experienced players in the squad and how can we all sort of learn from each other? Yeah, but I think, to be honest with you, Jeff, I think that shift happened a lot earlier than Serena come in. So she's actually coming off mm. the back of uh, a culture that had changed massively yeah. um, and ownership and responsibility was then left on the players to take for themselves. Um, so I was a part of that. Was that with that. Mark Sampson? Yeah, with yeah. Mark. <clears throat> he started that culture. He got um, a group in. Um, I can't remember the name of the group now, but he got a, a business in that basically helped with teams, build team morale, etc. And uh, it was really good. It, it you know it allowed us to be open and honest and kind of accept difference. Mm. You know, all of us are from different backgrounds, cultures, whatever it might be, upbringings. And I think it was this group of people that come in allowed us as lionesses to be vulnerable and understand each other more, which we didn't prior to that. So those prejudgments of coming in from other teams where you hate each other because you play for an opposition team and used to come to international camp and everybody probably didn't get on, you'd stay within your teams, your mm. club teams. They allowed to break that ice and, and really get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of actually where people came from. And I think, you know, as I mentioned about the vulnerability, people, you know, we'd cry and we'd share stories that we probably never shared before, but it actually brought the group closer than it's ever been. And that's why I think 2015 was like a key year for the Lionesses in terms of progress and, and where off the field progress can really help on, on pitch and, and getting that bronze medal in, in the uh, World Cup. And can I say I like from, your... from someone that played England a lot, we used to go to the Cyprus Cup and play you guys, the culture shift under Hope to Mark Sampson was like night and day, wasn't mm. it? I mean, Hope was very regimented, like very strict and Mark was a lot more about invite families into mm-hmm. the camp and, you know, a, a lot more sort of, like you said, individualistic yeah. and it, it felt like a different vibe vibe like when playing against you guys and then after you know cyprus cup mm. we go to the you know and do some things after the tournament yeah. with you guys at times and, and you it was hard though Bex, you know the hardest the hardest thing about that was it felt like we were being tested even though we wasn't mm. so when you got that ownership so mark was like you know you got downtime you know yeah. he'd do like a red amber green and it was like you know the training days the, the days where it's a bit of both so a bit of work but plus and then and then the green where your days is completely yours out of kit and whatever and you can go for a meal if that's what you want and choose what you want to do but because we weren't used to being able to even leave the hotel room <laughs> yeah. it felt like you were tested so those moments it was like is he testing me? Should I be going to eat a meal? Is <laughs> yeah. steak and chips okay? So family? you kind of, it took, a, it took a while for that transition yeah. and that ownership of like and responsibility of being a professional and doing the right thing on your days off. Mm-hmm. It took a while for that to happen. And I think Serena's actually now picked up at the group where people actually feel okay to do those mm-hmm. things without being judged. But is that, that's what I'm bringing it back to, isn't that the culture in terms of potentially Hope Powell might have been looking at it coming in as a, a black female in a position that is not you don't usually see someone mm. in that in that space and for her leadership she most probably might have been thinking this is what they expect from me I need to act a certain way I need to make sure that certain things are in place and then maybe from Mark's point of view as, as a white male who maybe is more I guess welcomed in that environment statistically or if we look at people that work mm-hmm. in that space he might think actually no this is just what we do so more of a sort of education understanding the culture the expectation because I guess maybe for hope she wouldn't have seen anyone else other than yeah. what you I guess you see in normal sort of white, white normal yeah, sure. leadership so she's trying to I guess adapt um, adopt those instead know. of rather just I, being yourself you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I, know, I know where you're, go- I know where you're going at but I actually think hope's the way Hope adopted and, and managed that national team was pure a case, I believe, 
looking when I look at look back at it, the game wasn't professional. Mm-hmm. So how was she trying? She was trying to professionalize a game that was very amateur, mm-hmm. where people would do their own thing, eat what you want when you want to eat it. You know, we were overweight at times. Some of us, you know, we wasn't the fittest of squads. We had some technically fantastic players, and she was trying to get us to be professional in a, a an amateur environment. And and I think by doing that, she had to be very structured and disciplined with a lot of the work that she did. And maybe that's why she 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 behaved and, and managed in that style. It's interesting though because yeah, and you might be right. I think and and where the football where football was at that time, you might have mm-hmm. had to have been that tough because we also had um, John Herdman who came in mm-hmm. in two thousand I want to say six right before the my first World Cup, and he was the coach of the under twenties at the time, and he was a lot more like Mark. He was very you know bring families in, very much a team vibe, but he was he was tough. Like he was mm-hmm. a taskmaster. Master. Mm-hmm. He would make us you know watch all. Of these um, footage at night, and we we had you know from start to finish, day to night, it was football. Um, mm. but, but he was also like very relaxed, and like the vibe was quite nice. Except for me being the captain of the team, that was that's a whole other story. That was a tough role, I think, under him. But I think just the one point is, she most probably felt that she maybe couldn't make that many mistakes. Yeah, maybe, because actually yeah. the the lens is even more on her because of her ethnicity because of her race because of all these other narratives that build up to the England manager and maybe yeah maybe I don't know maybe because as as a black person you know that actually even if you perform exactly the same you get how you feel as a woman you're you're, you're judged a lot lot differently but we we can't speak for for everyone else but yeah that's been amazing should we we wrap that up should we wrap that up and get on to our half time yeah Um, all right, so that was uh, pretty much some of the highs, although I think we started getting into the lows. But um, a good halftime team talk, I think, would be talking about roommates. <laughs> because this is something that maybe some people might know, but most women's teams have roommates because on the men's game, they all have their own rooms. They you know, have the budgets to be able to do that in the women's game. We don't, and we still don't. So you often have, well, 99% of my career, we had uh, a roommate. So let's get into some roommate stories. Farah. (laughs) (laughs) Who was your best roommate? You know what? No, I had had two consistent roommates pretty much throughout my career so I had Rachel Brown was probably my longest serving roommate <laughs> lucky her you say that oh, as, it was like me. a duty and I had uh, Jill Scott so she was also somebody that oh, I shared like fun. the back end of my career for a long time that's why yes, you dance like that jungle. that's yeah. why you dance like that <laughs> exactly. I, know, I know now but they were like my long long longest roommates that I was with and then you had a couple in between in between that um but Rachel Brown for like for for me at the time that I roomed with Rachel Brown for for all the off the field stuff that was going on in my personal life she was absolutely amazing for me and and still is to this day and you know those don't know she was a teacher etc so she was like she was probably the best listener the best person at giving me advice Mm -hmm. we'd talk for hours and you know into the night like you know really like allowing me to get rid of all of this whatever it might have been back then anxiety stress Mm. you know I didn't know I was young didn't really understand it and we would just talk and she would just literally make me feel so much better Mm -hmm. about some of my problems off the field and an unbelievable roommate but one of the messiest roommates (laughs) and you know my OCD to the point where you know what I used to do and goalkeepers so for those of you that don't know goalkeepers would have to go to training early earlier than the outfield players which meant they go to breakfast early so when Rachel Brown used to wake up and go to breakfast, I would also wake up and tidy the room, oh. make her bed like the maid had been in. Bless. And she'd come back, oh, the maids have been early. <laughs> no, Rachel, I've cleaned up your crap because oh. I'm sick of seeing it. 
and then obviously Jill Scott and that, like so so Rachel Brown was my first long one um and then and and, and I still call her Ruby now and then Jill Scott but Jill, Jill Scott was completely different she probably wasn't in the room that much out in everybody else's room <laughs> um when she wasn't when she was in the room she was a, a bad mess another one that was like she was messier than Rachel which is really hard to do so for those of you that think Jill Scott is this tidy queen of the jungle she's definitely not um she was fine in the jungle but you know that what you know what much. she would do yeah she was brilliant in the jungle and, <laughs> yeah. and you know what the jungle made me laugh so much and I, and I said it to her recently is that every time she was going to be shown I could already anticipate what she was going to do. I knew her that well I'm like she's going to do that but she'd be one of those that we'd be talking and Jill can sleep anywhere. That's why she didn't struggle in the jungle. Because I, can, mm. I promise you, we'd be talking and she'd be like, Farah, I'm tired. Boom. She's <laughs> out for the count. Does she with snore? Her. Does she snore? She doesn't snore, but she's got a horrible breathing technique. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Jill, put that pillow over your head. And you know what she could? She'd put the pillow over her head and she'd be fast asleep. Oh. Honestly, unbelievable. But she was a really good tea maker. No wonder yeah. she was a coffee, a coffee shop because, yeah, she would make a nice brew. So uh, I was lucky with that because I loved a cup of tea. But I used to make her baths. I mean, I nearly split up her and her, her ex-partner oh because I'd made her a bath one time in camp. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, why is your roommate making your bath? <laughs> she knows me. She knows my oh, muscles God. are sore. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure your roommates with the Qatar's vex are probably better than mine. <laughs> on, tell those us sound next. good. No, those sound good. Um, um, I had we had different roommates so we like rolled in the beginning we could choose our roommates and then at the end they just sort of like put you with different people um, and then they always asked me as the captain do you want your own room and I was like no it's oh, <laughs> way more boy. fun to, like, <laughs> yeah, like, what am I going to do there by myself and I, I like going with the younger kids in the begin in the end of my career as well because that was quite fun because you always sort of like you're like what is going on with youth players nowadays and the crap they used to tell me I was like this was never a problem like social media came uh -huh. in because we didn't have social media when yeah. we started our careers um my most interesting roommate was is still one of my best friends Simone Ferrara at the time she's now Carmichael and she uh just had a baby before we went to Papua New Guinea for a world cup qualifier a world cup or an olympic qualifiers and it was in like 2007 I think it was and um so she was still pumping so she literally flew from LA down to wherever it was Australia down to Papua New Guinea for those of you guys who don't know look it up where it is on the map and it's an island in the middle of the South Pacific. And she literally had to, like, every, I don't know, a few hours, go go to the room and put these things on her breasts and actually pump Express. milk. And I remember, like, walking in one time and I was with another roommate, Abby Urseg, who still plays. I think she's um, she just got transferred from the Carolina Courage somewhere. But she used to be, you know, a top player for New Zealand and ended up stepping back from the national team. But she walked in with me and she was just like, what is happening? Oh. <laughs> Turned around and walked straight out. Oh, man. Because Simone, you know, we were with a group of really young kids. She was one of the older ones. Um, and they, we had no clue, you know, back to the, the conversation we had with Rachel Yankee on the um, podcast about motherhood and mm -hmm. all the things you had to go through. I mean, now when I when you see and you sort of understand more about what she would have had to have done. Um, we're going to get hit by the sprinklers here. I think so in, the to do the podcast in the stadium, eh? Sprinklers! <laughs> Whose silly idea was this? In the middle of the benches. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, <laughs> lovely. You want, you want some rain? Um, sorry, we just almost got hit by the sprinklers. But yeah, it was brilliant because at the time you don't really understand how difficult it must have been for her, but the amount of that, the passion that she had, she wanted to represent New Zealand and she left her like four month old little baby, Caitlin, who's now like 12 or 13. No, she's older than that. She's like 15. 16 now um you know at home to be able to represent your country is is pretty special 
you know what? Let me add because I did have a roomie for one year, right? One tournament. It was the 2015 World Cup in Canada, and I had Lucy Bonds as my oh, roommate, gosh. right? But Lucy was a lot younger. It was actually her first tournament where she was going to be a big player in that tournament yeah, because she didn't that play. That was where she had her like yeah, that was, that her was, moment, yeah, that her goal against Norway, that, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah, and um. But our little thing, like, and honestly, to this day, it just cracks me up. It will be like me filming her jumping out on a teammate or her filming me. <laughs> oh, and that was gosh. our thing through the whole tournament. You're scaring everyone. How many people can we Fabulous. jump out on? <laughs> and we go back to the room on our phone and just sit there laughing our head off at, like, how many people we scared in a day. <laughs> so that was my most enjoyed. You know what? It has so to, glad I never I played think, for England, like, man. As you mentioned there, sharing with the younger players. So, like, when I was with Brownie, I was the younger one for, for Brownie. And when yeah. I was with Jill, the older one a little bit. But with, with Lucy, she was a lot younger. So it was just like... She took you back, energy. back just, to your youth. Yeah, and I just... That tournament was probably the best for me. It was just like... I was just really relaxed through the tournament. Yeah. No, I played with no pressure. You were good in that tournament. Talking about her, herself and mm-hmm. how like... She was just coming into open-minded. No, pre- You know what I mean? That helped me Wasn't share that, with somebody that, Wouldn't you say that was one of your best tournaments, mm. Farah? You were I so would, good in that but, tournament. But for a different reason. Because I used to think that my game had to be was assessed on me in possession because I was somebody that liked to get on the yeah. ball and dictate play on the ball. I know, you're constantly screaming actually, at everyone to give you yeah, the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember. And so for, for many years as an international, as a number four that sat in front of the back line, I used to think that I had to be the one leading the attacks from deep. And actually that tournament, I probably played a lot of the tournament without the ball. I learned how to play a second ball game, so the more physical game, picking up second balls. I learned how to get in good shape. I learned how to get up the pitch a bit more. So less without the ball or needing to, to get on the ball mm. to be effective. And yeah, I would say for that reason, understanding that I didn't have to be involved directly yeah. in play, mm-hmm. it also gave me a, a greater impact within within the tournament. Yeah, for I sure. have another roommate story. Go on, may I? <laughs> really so, quick. um, so Maya Jackman is. I uh, said Maya Jackman. I know. I was like, nothing against Maya Jackman, but Maya Jackman is way more entertaining. And if you meet her, which you might, you guys are coming to New Zealand, right, for the World Cup? Bex is getting us to New Zealand. Yeah, we're going to be there. I'll introduce you to Maya Jackman and then you guys can decide. I mean, Maya Jam is amazing, whatever. Um, Maya Jackman was, they used to call us t- the Twin Towers because we used to be the center backs and we were both really tall. We both had blonde hair. We both had like Maori quads, you know. She was, she's like, I think she's she's half Maori, or, I think. Um, and so everyone used to like think of us as sort of twins, even though we look nothing alike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at ident- all. Non-identical and twins. And we play Me and completely Apple, the cool twins. Twins. <laughs> The cramp <laughs> twins. <laughs> Um, anyway, she had the most amazing sounding farts. Oh, literally, no way, two buzz, no way, non You stayed in the same room. Never, she never, did, like never. every single time. I would lose it because they were <laughs> so funny. It was nah. just no, like wait there. When you say lose it, as in laugh, laugh. No, no, I could not Bex, stop laughing Bex, Bex, at the sound. Listen to of this. Her, no, I'm, that, I'm not you. even kidding. There's, there's never ever going to be I a just fart say, that will just equal for, for my, the record. My, Jackman. Farting, that is my, that's the biggest thing of my hate. If that happens, a fight will be going on. We will, if there will not, fart. I promise oh, you. Oh man, you would never be able to play for New Zealand. I, hap- I definitely would not be because we will be fighting. There'll be this no is shared why rooms. didn't become an international. No, no, no. She's not adaptable in that no, area. Maya Jackman no. is world renowned what? for so, wow. this. You're saying, thing. you're saying, oh, not, not you're saying, no, not wait, wait a minute. You're saying I'm not adaptable, but from all the conversations we've just had, <laughs> being yourself and allowing you to be your character has seemed to be the best way yeah. to get the best out of players. Hundred. So, if I need to be an international, <laughs> so I need to fart. be able to... No, <laughs> but you can fart. It's not a problem, but you can go outside the room. You can do... In the bathroom, innit? No, because you have to open the door. No, none of okay, that. Okay, full time. Full time. Anyway, all right. I think that wraps up our <laughs> halftime team talk about roommates. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's... Uh, let's get into the second half, the lows of international football, because we know that... It's been amazing watching the Lionesses. It's it's always been amazing for me watching the U.S. Women's National Team win everything nonstop. I mean, when you see them on TV, it just looks like a dream. And everyone always says that to me. Do you miss it? Do you miss it? Mm. And my the one thing I always say is no, I don't miss it. You don't miss, do, do, do you know one thing that I really wanted to find out around, I guess, it might be a low, it might be a high. You might need sure. to ask someone else. Um, <laughs> I might need to ask someone else. Just in terms of the dynamics of players, because obviously you, you come together as the best players in the country and there's loads of different players from different clubs. Are there any lows in terms of coming together and maybe your rivals, like two hours ago, you come together and now you've got to be all pals and have one goal. Like, Were there any... like? bumps in the road any secret bumps in the road in terms of so it's a little bit different I think for the New Zealand team because I, I think for far because you played against a lot of your teammates mm-hmm. in your league whereas I played in Sweden Germany Australia so not a lot of my teammates from the football ferns actually were playing professionally when I first started and then they went to Germany w- when I was there as well but um, so I didn't really play against them very often and when we did it was just fun because there was no you know, the New Zealand national team, the depth of that squad was very small. You know, we had a starting 11 that pretty much was always going to be the starting 11. We had maybe two, three, four players that could get into that squad. So it was really sort of supporting each other and, and it was a good vibe when we did see each other. But it's probably different for mm. you, Far. How about yeah. you, Far? I mean, in the early stages, it was really difficult. I think that rivalry was definitely there. I think the fact that the international team had a budget. I remember when I was at Everton and we had like, we were playing Arsenal and then we were due to go into camp. And it was probably at the time six or seven Everton players, there was probably six or seven or maybe eight Arsenal players. We got on a minibus all oh, together God, to camp. Oh, Can you imagine? Zealand, after, losing, <laughs> after losing, it's like, and you're sat on this minibus and it's like, you can't even, you know what, I can't even explain. Like, you just don't want to be there. You can mm. imagine why, especially after you lose. If you yeah. win, completely different feeling, I would imagine, for the Arsenal girls sitting yeah. there, you know, whatever else, and we're at the front of the bus wanting them to shut up. But yeah, we used to, I think that was a difficulty when you played opposition used to get in the same car or minibus at at one stage but I think under Mark Sampson I think that changed as I said I think that changed I think the dynamics of people I think what had happened when Mark come in we were encouraged to communicate outside of the international environment as international players did you have a whatsapp group so no we didn't have a whatsapp group it was just more a case of making that effort that conscious effort to to call somebody check in see how they are Mm. as opposed to yeah it not you know don't force it if you feel like you should do that then and I think it become a natural thing to do um, so no, it weren't forced. We didn't have the WhatsApp group. Like you know, Phil Neville brought a WhatsApp group into into camp where he had a WhatsApp 
with got a text. The player, but yeah, um, I didn't get a text. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and I guess just on that, I guess coming in with like different players coming from different squads, when you went onto the bus, I know you said like, did at any point you like mix it or was it literally like front and back? Nah, front and back. On the bus, that was years ago. If I'm talking years ago now, um, yeah, I'm showing my age, probably 2008, something like that. So years and years ago. Um, and that we did it so I can't remember, I can't really remember it, but it was Arsenal would have been at the back of the bus we'd have been at the front and uh, there was no in, in, none of us mixing integrating I, I think definitely in terms of like those sorts of friendship like you're saying in he terms used to of, take a day off like in camp like that evening the next to day to settle yeah no but in terms of like obviously you said that Mark used yeah. to get you guys to have conversations like outside of camp mm-hmm. Are some of those people like now some of your like closest friends or is there anyone who sticks out that's like actually I wouldn't have normally made an effort with that person because we've never played on the same team we've never really had that chance to speak to each other but actually through those yeah, you know what no interesting you ask that because you know what I'm like I'm I'm somebody that I have my friends my friends are my friends like, I don't I'm not somebody that makes new friends I have a you know what I mean so I have my people so that are, are we in me. or out I'm not um, no but I, I have in? people that I, I, I trust in solely trusting from from when I was young Earth for being one um and, Thanks, and so Thanks. no, no, just sitting here no, on I'm, the same bench. No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just no, being honest. And so <laughs> okay. when when this whole thing around, you know, you gotta have coffee with people. You gotta, you know, you gotta learn more yeah. about that person. For me, I was like, I was quite ignorant to it in the early stages. I was like, you know, this is fake. They're being fake. You know, they they don't care about me, and I don't really care about them. And we're going for a coffee, and I wasn't that like, interested. The more you did it, the more natural it become. The more interested, the more empathy, and all of these things started to come. And without realizing they were there Mm -hmm. and so yeah you're probably right the people that you end up then having long-term or friendships with or people that you speak to now outside of the game Mm -hmm. that probably in the early stages of the game I thought when I finish playing I'll probably never talk to you again I do talk to so I I certainly think it it helped yeah develop that culture within the squad where like they you end up meaning more to you after football and obviously towards the end of your career for me because it becomes so late in in my career um I, I certainly would have been completely as I said to you ignorant to it in, in, in the beginning but I actually I enjoy that I've now had these friendships with these these players um having been put through the process that you know I originally thought was such a fake you know process to try and get everybody to become mm-hmm. you know working mates for example mm-hmm. and, and I think that sort of extended support system is really really important and you touched on it earlier Bex in terms of when you lost your captaincy and maybe these might have been people who you then might have had a conversation with or, or reached out to or still involved in the setup whilst you're out doing rehab how were those sort of low moments in terms well that's not how really. it was yeah. yeah no it was um it was hard because I think at the time I mean now we all talk about mental health and how injury affects that but when I had my knee injury it, I actually played through I was misdiagnosed I had a cartilage injury in my my right knee before the world cup and um it was misdiagnosed and they I just played right through it and by the last game what we played in China I couldn't walk it was like my knee was clicking it was popping it was like locking and and they were like oh you just go get an MRI back in Sweden when you get back and I did that and um turned out I had to have a microfracture surgery which is a huge surgery I had to be on crutches for six weeks like non-weight bearing and mm-hmm. sitting in bed for like literally six weeks and back then it was like a much bigger deal mm-hmm. 
and so coming back, I worked my I worked really hard to get back. You can and say I your tits off or your bum yeah, off. You I can say that. I was going to say my <laughs> my tits were already off. There was nothing really there to work off. Your but boots, yeah, balls, and bras <laughs> off. Boots, balls, and bras off. But I, wor- I worked my butt off. I really did. I worked really hard in in Sweden and tried to get back to the team. And I remember the first um, camp I got back. I was I was sitting with John. Heard me said I want to have a meeting with you. And at, mind you, like the whole time, no one reached out to me about mm. like you know training programs. And they were just like, how how is things? You know. And I was sort of keeping in touch with them. I got back into the first camp and he sat me down. He said, listen, you're not the captain of this team anymore. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, clearly, because you guys have been playing games without me. Like he said, yeah, we have um, another player here, Haley Morewood, and she's been doing an amazing job. And, you know, the team really likes her. And she's she's one of those players that people like everyone likes her. She'd never say boo to anyone. She would never be like fire and scream around at the pitch to everyone. <laughs> no, never, never. So everyone liked her and she was a good player. She was a solid player. She was a midfield player. And he said, so it works for us. So if you're going to have a problem with it, then uh, you're going to have a problem with this team and you're going to have to leave. And uh, if you're fine with it, then you can stay. And I remember thinking, Whoa. what mm. is happening? Wow. Like, I don't really care. I never cared about the armband. That's not it. It's about mm. like, and a leadership role is always one that I've taken quite naturally because mm-hmm. I care. I genuinely yeah. care mm-hmm. from like the first player to the last ca- player. I want you to be included. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel like you're just as important as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the main thing that that was like why I wanted the captaincy mm-hmm. armband because you can then lead and make, you know, create that culture. But didn't care. And it was just, it was hard because mm-hmm. I, I didn't care about that I wanted to play I wanted to represent my country and I remember coming back and we lost every single game in that Olympics in 2008 in Beijing badly and between 2008 and 2011 because I was playing in Germany at the time and the Women's World Cup the next one was in Germany in 2011 Mm -hmm. and I was playing well you know I was with Wolfsburg at the time and you know I was brought in to sort of run the defense and you know be a co-captain of the team and I was having a good time in in Germany and I remember John coming back to me a couple years later a year after and he said I made a mistake yeah he's like you should be the captain of this team, you know, and it's not because Haley's not a good captain. She mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. She's she's a brilliant human being and an amazing player and everybody loved her. He's like, but we need a Jew. We need you. And so he reinstated me as captain, which again, at that point, I didn't care mm-hmm. because I was playing who I was playing, where how I was playing. I was being the person that I wanted to be no matter what. And actually, I think in the end, it was really hard at the time, but I think in the end, it was probably one of the best things that happened to me because it just brought you down and you're like, I'm not playing for that. Mm. And it made you really realize what I'm playing for. And I and after that, I just, I enjoyed the time so much more. I think like what you talk about there, just having that key integrity in terms of no matter who's watching, no matter what the situation, you're doing it because there are clear sort of values that you sort of stand by and that you want the whole team the whole country you want everyone to be included you want everyone to feel like they're given the best opportunity to to perform I think Mm. that that comes through really really clearly and I think for me I remember when I played for Charlton I got the captain's armband one time we played Sunderland um in a pre-season uh friendly Jordan Nobbs all those girls Mm. were still playing up there I started doing shows. I thought I was literally, I've never closed down <laughs> so quickly. Energy, right? Literally, mm. I was like, literally, it, it kind of, for me, maybe it did do it that. It you. motivated me. Mm. But actually, outside of that, I don't think I was really a captain. And I just really want to touch on you, Farah. I, I know did, you, yeah. you were captain mm. for, for a bit for mm. England and then they took yeah. the armband off yeah. you. 
Yeah, so it was in 2009. It was before the, was it the Euros? Because World Cup was 2011, right? So it was 2009 yeah, Euros. Yeah, Euros. And so in that two-year build up until that, I was, Faye White had been out injured. I'd been given the armband. We went on a really good run of, of, of games, you know, beating some of the top teams. I remember in that period, I think we even beat America during that period. Um, yeah, so that was a big... And I remember going to the tournament and um, obviously the squad numbers go out, you know, a couple of weeks before and you start to read into the numbers, which we all did. If you had a, you know, a 1 to 11 in, in the England team, you knew that you were probably going to be one of the starters. Um, face outside that, I think she was number 15 in that tournament. And at the time, Lindsay Johnson was number six, so she thought she was going to start. And I remember, it's the, you know, the day before the first game. And uh, it was the opening game. Our game was going to be against Italy. You go to the you, you go to the stadium that you're gonna you're gonna play at, and normally the captain of the, of the tournament will will go and do the press conference. And mm. I remember Hope calling me into a room before then calling Faye White into a room, and and basically sat me down and was like, you know, you've been a fantastic captain for this group, blah blah blah. But I don't think you need the armband in order to perform. Which at the time I was young, and you know, I was it was it was a huge honor to get the armband in in in, in you know in, in Faye's absence. And I was like, yeah, I don't need the armband. Like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that much. I'm not going to perform any different because I love playing for England. So it doesn't mean anything. And she's like, you know, Faye's been injured for her confidence. I feel like she needs the armband to perform. And it was only like, and then I went, so obviously that had happened. That was personal between me. And I remember going to the, the, the stadium and the, the Kelly Smith and Alex Scott, they were like, like, why aren't you in a press conference? I said, oh, Hope took the armband off me and said that she's going to make it clear that I'm the vice captain, which was never made clear before. We never had a clear mm. vice captain. And that she thinks that Faye needs it you know, and I don't need to wear the armband to perform. And I think it had a bigger impact on those for, for, for that open, for that, that session and the opening game, probably. They were like, you know, that's out of order and it's not the right thing to do. You've been a great captain. You know, and as you mentioned, I actually got on with like most of the team anyway. So it wasn't like that was an issue. And our cameramen are just getting wet right now. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so it wasn't that much of an issue. It was only later on in my career when I thought, how do you know the armband didn't give me an extra 10, 5%, yeah. as you said there? Because yeah. who knows? It does. Whether yeah. you, you, you subconsciously or whatever, yeah. it gives you something that you yeah. can't explain. There's yeah. something special about having an armband. Mm. And, and then obviously I wasn't captain for, for a period after that. But it come up again when Mark Sampson took the job. Um, it was like an audition. It was in the Cypress Cup and it was pretty much an audition or it felt like an audition. So he named myself, Laura Bassett, Steph Houghton and Gemma Bonner as four captains that he wanted to, to play throughout that tournament. And I remember I was captain of the first game and the last game in that tournament when we got to the final. And it was at the end of the tournament, he pulled me, myself and Lucy, uh, sorry, and Steph Houghton aside and was like, you two are the two that I'm narrowing it down to, I want you to go away from here and come back to me with reasons as to why you think you should be captain. And I'm oh, like, and I was I older now. So now I'm 30. Weird? It was really weird because now I'm 30. And so I'm, I was at the stage where, so when I when Hope gave me the arm, and I was really young yeah. and it was, a, it was huge on it. It was like, you know, am I ready for this kind of thing? And I probably wasn't. But now when Mark Sampson come in, in, in charge and, and give me the, it was, well, I was up for, for having the arm, but I thought, you know what? It's perfect timing. Mm. In my head, mm. I thought, I don't have to tell you what, you know, I'm not doing an audition for this armband. If I'm good enough to be the captain and you think I'm the right person, you will make me captain. Mm. That's how I felt. Yeah. So I didn't want to audition. I didn't mm. want to go back and call him and text him and mm. send him messages about why I was the captain. And I'm not sure if Steph did that, but he ended up giving it her. And his excuse to me was, was really, really poor. And it was around, you know, being settled in a relationship and other things outside of football. And I thought, hang on, if you know international football, to be in a stable relationship, for example, is key. 
it's important. You don't want somebody that when you're away in camp makes it hard for you because yeah. mm. camping itself is difficult. But anyway, he didn't give it me. And I remember Matt Beard was fuming at the time. He was my Liverpool manager and was like, you know, I can't believe he hasn't like, you know, even spoken to you about it. And, and, and it was bullshit, absolute bullshit as to why he didn't give me the armband. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid the word shit the whole time. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't affect me because I actually felt like under Mark, I had, yeah. you, you know, f- you know, four, three or four, who was four, um, really good years when he was in charge. So yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed my time playing under him. So it didn't affect me, but I'm not somebody that likes bullshit. And I like people that are quite straight talking. And I, I felt like in, on both occasions, that didn't happen to me. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I just ask one question? Because, and, and I think it's, maybe it's something that I've thought Penny's about. off, guys. <laughs> something that I've thought about for quite a while in terms of international sort of football. And obviously there's only a certain amount of places that everyone's vying for. Did you ever feel let down by a teammate like someone who didn't kind of put your case forward in a situation or maybe just remained quiet because it worked for them and Mm. they were getting selected did did it ever feel like that in terms of oh why didn't you say anything then or or why was it it's a great question because I think you know team sports are hard I sometimes I look back and I think, why didn't I just play golf or tennis or like, you know, like a surfing, you know, I was a good surfer. I could have gone been a professional surfer like that would have been way more fun just going around beaches. But I played the team sports because I like the team environment. I like the social aspect of it. But it's hard because you do feel and as a captain, too, I always felt like I had a responsibility to the girls and whether it's true or not, you, you, you feel like you have to stick up for people. You have to like be in the right place at the right time. And there were times during my career where 100% I felt like I've let down my teammates, but I also felt like I was letting down myself because mm-hmm. I wasn't focusing on just me and my performance. And I don't know if you had that too far, but there were times where I felt like I was being pulled in a thousand different directions. My coach was telling me, you have to be tough. You have to yell at them. If they're going to do that, they're slacking off. You need to be the one. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah, but if that's how they are, like, that not that your job? Like, why is that my role as a teammate? So sometimes I feel like we, we, take on too much but then also I watched the girls you know out here in the in the last games in the Arnold Clark Cup and I don't see a lot of communication on the pit like when we used different, to play right it's totally yet. different when, I, when we used to play for the football friends I was talking non-stop the part of my fitness was doing hill sprints talking mm-hmm. because wow. I was sprinting and talking and screaming the entire match because I also played the center back so you could see everything and you could push up pull back on your left left shoulder right back you know and um yeah, I felt like there were times where I sort of let myself down, if I'm more honest about that. No, I think I think on the reflection of, of your career, I think when you're in it, as Bex mentioned that, it's a team sport, right? So you feel when you're a part of a team, you're supposed to be and support everybody within that. But it's also a very selfish sport. And you, when you're in it, you kind of only think about yourself most mm. of the time, even though you don't think that you are, you are. And I think everybody, you know, when you reflect on other people, you think they were selfish and I was selfish and they were selfish. And when you look back, there's certainly things that I would have done differently now, looking back on it and supported people differently. And likewise, I would have hoped that people would have supported me differently. But it's easy to say now when you, Mm. as you say, when you reflect on things in the moment is a moment when you need to you know, action it, you know, we say, you know, we've got that saying, don't, don't say it, basically, don't tell me, show me. Which is, it was easier said than done at the time. And certainly, I think more on the international stage, that was the hardest place to make those actions, I believe. Um, Both for and and 
for for myself and for for other people. Yeah, and that that's the thing about like being a, an elite athlete at the very top level, right? Because you you have to focus on mm. yourself. Because if you don't, there's no there's no excuses. You can give all the excuses you want. You're not good enough. You're not playing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it is all about you. 100%. And that's one of the things that people when people say, "Are you do you miss it?" And I yeah. say, "No, I don't." But you know because what? I was it's hold true. On, it's, because I was true. so focused yeah. on myself yeah, exactly. for so much of my life yeah. and. Even as a captain, and as yeah. I said, like mm-hmm. constantly focusing on everyone else, trying to make sure everything, I was still so yeah. focused on me that I find it really refreshing now to be in a business or to have started my own business that is all about helping others, mm. getting more investment mm. into women's game because you want to grow for the good of the sport. Mm. It's, it's such, it's totally but, different. Well, I was just going to let me. Just, on, just, on on that quickly, just in terms of like the culture, like you're saying, you're so yeah. focused on yourself and you, mm. you, you want to get the best out of what you're doing. But what happens when there's something that is just so blatantly wrong? Like, you know, it's not the right, the right mm. decision, but actually it still means that you still do what you do. Like in a culture now where there's a lot of people talking mm. about, about things, social things that they're really like mm-hmm. up, like they, that they like want me to, too. well, like me that too. Yeah. But what, what, what happens when there's something that you know Deep, you know that's the wrong decision in terms of like management or something like, and you still don't speak up. For me, that's the thing where mm. you like. No, that's wrong. Yeah, like who? What, what I, I'm more. I'm more of a thing of uh, mine. Probably wasn't wasn't more on that. Mine, mine's probably you, you know when things are going well for people, mm-hmm. people don't care about anybody else, yeah. and when those things are happening to them, so the bad things are happening to them. Mm. They want everybody else to care about them, yeah. and we all went through that process of when we were on top and when we were in it and everything was going well. We didn't care about anybody else. And when we were on the flip side and it wasn't going so well, we want everybody else to support us. And that's where I meant in terms of the selfishness of like, mm. and we all went through that experience because all of us in, throughout the international setup that I was in, there were times where people were consistently playing and there was times when we weren't. Mm. So all of us went through that process. No, what you're talking about not, are bigger issues. No, no, I'm talking about, exact, I'm talking about exactly that same thing. I'm talking yeah, but about... That, but that, that, that's, an, that's an opinion. And what I learned with the sport, mm. in, in terms of a team sport, right? And, and that's why I, I really got into the coaching is that, and that's why I found it easier when things went against me. So, if I was a mm-hmm. sub or I didn't play or I wasn't selected, mm-hmm. I found it easier to accept because I always I always knew what my strengths were as a player. Mm-hmm. I always knew what I was good at and I knew that there were people in the team that weren't better than me at those things. Mm-hmm. But if the manager opinion of that is different, there is nothing within my control that I can change that. So mm-hmm. if, for example, I felt like a player should be playing or should be in the squad, mm-hmm. right? I can't change that. There's nothing I could do that can change it. I can air my opinion. Oh, I think she should be here. I think she should be starting. She's more give more an impact. Mm-hmm. But it ain't going to change what happens. I think it too so it depends on the management. It can't change yeah. what happens. It no, can't change I, I what think, happens. I think for me, it depends on the management. So so to answer your question, Eartha, too, like in the New Zealand team, like with John, we had a really close relationship in the sense that he was like, you're my, you're you're the one. So mm. you have to you have to tell me what's going on. You have to tell me what you think. And mm. in that sense, he was really open. So he was hard. Mm. He was hard on me. He demanded mm-hmm. a lot. But he also was like, I need that two-way communication so he was he was and you don't find a lot of coaches that are like that because Mm. when I was in Germany it was not like that Mm. at all I mean they did not want to hear one thing from you and if they did it just meant that you've got a strike against you and even less likely to play yourselves and I think that's your point so it really depends on the culture and and I think nowadays you know there's so much more transparency in coaches and what's going on because Mm -hmm. players have social media and they can talk and they Mm -hmm. talk to each other and they're Mm -hmm. quite open about what goes on behind closed doors so I think coaches have to be a bit more careful I think I was that player I, I, I wish I was that player I wish I was that player that would challenge managers and be like why aren't I playing I was never that player when I wasn't selected, I was never that player that would challenge or, or expect a teammate to challenge on behalf of me yeah. Yeah. For, for something no, that I no. think that should have been. So because I wasn't that player for myself, I'm not going to be that player for somebody else. Yeah. That was just my personality. Mm. There was time. Do you think when, when Phil Neville dropped me from the England squad, 
my opinion of it for, for me yeah. I should have been in the squad still right yeah. that's my opinion I was playing the top of my game at Reading at the time I was top goal scorer at Reading I was in a few of the player of the months I was in the end of the, end of the year player, the, uh, mm-hmm. player of the, uh, the year team, yeah. team of the year whatever it's called so I felt like I was having a good season the season he didn't pick me again Yeah. now my reasons as to why I think he didn't pick me as to the reasons that he gave me are two different things what, do you, what did he give you and he you? also said that he publicly said in the media that we constantly had communication we did not communicate one bit um, from the telephone call that I got to say that he wanted to try younger players so I then thought in my head oh it's an age thing because I was getting older mm. we all come to an end in our career mm. right you're just still only late 20s though right yeah just say it to <laughs> so. me I'd rather you just say look you know I I'm, I'm want to go through that transition yeah. there's younger players that I want to play and I don't feel your value I felt I had still value in that team whether it be on the pitch or on the bench you know I felt like I had so that. why do you think he did drop you then my age and, but or the, or my personality, I don't know. And this and this is or it. my personality because I was challenging, mm. and I was in an, an environment where I'd been in for nineteen years. Let's not forget. Mm. So I knew the environment. I knew it in the national football. He was new to the women's game. Yeah, I'm going to challenge. Do you things. think he was threatened by you? You can only ask him that. I can't answer that. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what what the problem was. He will say that it wasn't an age thing. He will mm. say that, uh, you know, I, I was better than what I was. There was times he didn't pick me for camps and would pick other players, and he said he had too much respect then to bring me into camps at time. Mm. It's not respect. I want to be an international yeah. footballer. <laughs> can I, can <laughs> I pick me? But just on that, in terms me, of like, I think when we're talking specifically around international football, the whole aim is to have the best team, the best players, the best decision makers, the best leadership. But this, but this is my it doesn't whole point. Happen. In, in I've term- been in the environment. I know it doesn't happen, and they they, they pick pay. Listen, if there was, no, it if there happen, was, it, okay, the so, whole reason for it. Yeah, yeah. But if there's me and you, right, and we're both unbelievable players, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got an attitude that if I'm not playing, I'm going to be terrible for the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. But you're a player that if you, you're you not playing, you're still going to be great around the team. Who's getting picked? Me or you? Me. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. So your personality and your character so. plays a part within a squad yeah. environment that's mm-hmm. going to be away on camp. And that's why some of the top players that are so used to playing, Ronaldo, for example, mm-hmm. wants to play mm-hmm. and can be seen as disruptive. No, he just wants to play. Yeah. He wants to win. He's a winner. He's, been, he's grown up being a winner. That's what happens. So you get picked. It's easier to pick somebody that is going to settle for it than not. So we've got some BBB fan questions. Um, the first one is from TI underscore Salix. How do you build team culture relationships in international break in such a short space of time? Difficult, so difficult. I mean, far as a coach here, I'm not, but I think you have to have year-long communication. You have to build up a trust and um, a relationship with each of the players and every player that um, commends managers from that they've had in their in their careers. They always say the same thing: it's they really cared about me. They constantly checked in with me. You have you have a relationship, so it doesn't matter that you're only there for a week. You have to be in constant. yeah, contact. And you also have to look at the player as a full person, mm-hmm. not just as a player. I think that I think you have to you have a responsibility as, as a coach when you when you take on that role in, in getting to know your players, you know, and, and your players are not just your players. They're your people that, you know, you have to show, you know, that care for you have to show that interest in you have to know what gets them tick. You have to know where they come from and all of these things you have to go deep into. It takes time. It takes effort. But that's what I believe as a coach you sign up to in, in terms of of that. And that is what helps to create the best or the closest to the best uh, cultures and, and environments. Do you know what else helps? What else? A helps? guitar. A guitar definitely doesn't <laughs> help. Um, next. Uh, next. <laughs> um we have another question from at Jen Tyndall. 
Thoughts on the amount of people bringing signs asking for shirts, gloves to matches. Can I start this one? Get Go. into it. Because I saw the, the England game um, that happened earlier on last week and I actually tagged Chloe Kelly um, in my post and I said do I need a sign in order to get your shirt <laughs> Chloe so, Kelly if you're listening Chloe Kelly, your shirt. I did tag Chloe she has not answered me as of yet and I do not have a shirt so I'm not doing an advert I'm just saying that potentially it's it shows that extra bit of effort and I think in terms of the women's game again it just shows actually that sort of intimacy in terms of our, our fan relationship. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to say that. Chloe Kelly, I'm still waiting for the shirt. I think it's difficult, isn't it? Like there's so many people that want everybody's shirt. There's one shirt. And, mm. and sometimes the game is so memorable to that player that they actually don't want to give that shirt away. Mm. And not because, you know, they don't like the kid or they don't want to show any interest in the fans that are, you know, coming out to support. But it's more of a case of sometimes, or they might have already pre-giving it away yeah. it might be for, for an auction or whatever it might be a charity um, a family member so it is difficult because I remember them times where people used to go oh, you know give your shirt and I'm like it's already given away yeah. you know it's not because I, I can't I, like, I, I can't give it you yeah but well with New Zealand we only had like three shirts and we had to keep yeah. them the whole, the whole for an entire <laughs> for year whole, maybe it was two years I think, well, I think we switched shirts <laughs> yeah, so we didn't did, we Farah we didn't even mention that in a pod like I literally switched shirts with Bex back in well we won't say the year because it was show our age oh, so it was but, the Olympics um, wasn't it no 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 London 2012 no you got the my Olympics was it the Olympics I, I thought it was when we played in the China Cup or not the China Cup the, uh, was it when we was in Korea or something really early on wow really yeah I thought it was an old shirt but maybe I'm wrong number six I have to try to find that one must be a size eight shirt then. yeah <laughs> she was a size zero i was probably a 12 or 14 <laughs> yeah right chunky oh mate okay and then uh last question from at conade if you could play for any national team now which would you choose vibes not ranking vibes not ranking i'm going germany why I, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you. Oh, tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me. Because I just think they're the they're the most adaptable nation. Okay. And I'm adaptable, mm-hmm. and I like learning, and I feel like they're always evolving. Um, I think they're very organised in and out of possession. They can play different styles. They can play with the ball, without the ball. They have creative players. Mm-hmm. They're just machines. They're, okay. they're they're a they're a nation that I've always looked up to and hated playing against. So yeah. if I hated playing against you. And I hate you. That means I love you, really. So, yeah, I would have loved to have played a part of the, of the German national team. So we've got Germany, Bex. You know what? I could see you in the German national That'd team. Right, they I? like screaming at each other, too. They love that. They love yelling at each other, yeah. giving each other a little bit of shit. Get me the here, do this. That was a crap pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. You go, you go. I have to have a think about this one. I already know yours. I already know it. I know I can guess yours. I'm going to guess it. I know, I know, I know who you're going to think I'm going to say. I know who you're going to think I is, but I'm... I know who it is. No, you don't. Okay. Okay. Okay, go on. Have a guess. Okay. No, Farah, no, no, you, you go just first. Say it. No, guess. Just say it. Guess. What is it? What? Uh, Shall I tell you who it is? Yeah. Brazil. You waited. You waited until she you said it. You it's for Jamaica, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was going to be for So they're both there. I knew you were going to Did you notice that Farah said it like right after you? It was always going to be Brazil, but I knew you was going to think Why Brazil? Why Brazil? Because you can cruise turn in the box. Yeah. Like, everyone just, we just, they just play football. And I knew he was going to say Jamaica because I know the vibes. And I know that, you know, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Uh-huh. But no, definitely in terms of um, 
entertainment definitely like, would be if you saw Earth play when Earth played in goal she thought Literally. she was busy honestly just, she played like, like back she thought she was what she's wearing obviously exactly I know, exactly. Right? and I can't say Jamaica because my family's <laughs> from Caribbean St. Lucia and yeah. like, uh, Concacaf too much yes too much so yeah big up St. Lucia Bex is going to say America go on Bex no she she ditched America yeah ditched America yeah yeah as if I could have played there anyway but like to be really honest um do you know what? I think like one of the South Sweden. American. Oh. Yeah. No, I love the Swedes, but I played there. So I've already done that. Mm-hmm. And I played with the Germans Boring. and I've already done that. Boring. And I love them. Um, and Australians, nobody likes Australians. So oh, it's I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, I think I would have gone for like um, an African or South American team because they always had the most fun. Mm. Like they're real. The, the quality of player, I think that the CAF produces, that Africa produces is probably, I, I think, some of the best quality players. However, the lack of funding is mm. so frustrating so I probably would want to go play for an African team like a Nigeria or Ghana trust or me when I just played Nigeria like, yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah, just to hang out or the, Bex, or the vibes the like same, all the jerseys like, I would say when I used to play team. African nations especially Nigeria right say for example the ball is there 75 even 80 20 in my favor they still get it i'm not winning it <laughs> they get it. i hated it how, how? We had a, i had a nigerian way? player perpetua and oh. on my team you remember her Pepe, Pepe they called her nigerian it's number captain. 10 she went yeah Man, she, oh, was, my the, she was the best player i've really? ever played with in my whole life wow. and just the lack of funding and like mm. the stories that she would tell me about their national team it was so frustrating but i would go i would definitely go yeah, with like Mate, Zipa Z. Zipa there you go. Zipa Z, I love that. Yeah. I love playing there. All right, yeah. well, that cool, wraps done. up our Boots, Balls and Bras. Eartha Pond, thank you very much for hosting. and <laughs> Thank you for having me. Asking all the questions. <laughs> <and> today. <laughs> great, great, great to be here at the uh, Coventry Arena. Yeah. yeah, with the Arnold Clark Cup. Thank you very much to the Arnold Clark Cup for hosting us today mm-hmm. as well. And uh, that's it for our Boots, Balls and Bras international segment. We will uh, see you next week. Thanks don't, for asking. Don't forget to send in more questions. We love answering them. Mm-hmm. Thanks um, for asking. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.